Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Morning, everyone. Thank you so much. I just want to say to you all that I go to quite a lot of lengths to fit in with a church. I have a drinking vessel that's the same colour as your chairs this morning. I do that for every single church I speak at. Tend not to, to be fair, just a fluke, but it's so nice to be here with you this morning. You all right? Fantastic. Who's running, by the way, next week in that 10K thing? Just just Andy. (laughs) Andy's looking a bit sharp, isn't he? Fantastic. Really nice to be here with you. Hey, listen, do you agree with this statement? And you, it's like, if you don't, it's like, where have you been for the last few, well, years, really? Don't you think the world is changing? Yeah, and let's be honest, some of it's good, but some of it's not, is it? It's not good at all. Like hybrid, that sounds such a funky, positive word, isn't it? Hate it. Hate it. But uh, how on earth do we live life in a changing world? Uh, When I was a lot younger, my mum used to say to me, and I'm sure, so my mum's 80, um, and uh, so people from around that age have probably found themselves saying this, and this, this is the phrase she used to say quite a lot. When I was a kid, some of you there already, aren't you? You're there already. Um, When I was a kid, we used to be able to go out of the house and leave the doors open, not even unlocked, open. And nobody would ever steal anything. And I've come to realise I've got older, as I've got older, that that's mainly because we had nothing worth nicking. Do you know what I mean? It's like you think, oh, what an honest world. What a lovely world that must have been. But no, it's just we had nothing worth coming in and nicking. To be. In fact, I reckon if somebody broke into our house when I was a kid, kid they probably brought us something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'd put it in there. They obviously, they obviously need it. So the world's changed. And I don't know whether, it, whether it's really true uh, that that's what it was like or whether we kind of always, whatever kind of generation we've been in, whether we've kind of just looked um, longingly back to that generation with rose-tinted glasses because we're a little bit uncomfortable with what this world has become right now. I, I, from time to time, I take some books around with me that I've written and I, and I sell them. And there was an older gentleman about two, three, no, three years ago. It was just before lockdown. And uh, he, he would have been probably around 80, 85 at the time. And uh, he, he was a little bit kind of clumsy and a little bit sort of shaky. And he wanted some books. And so I was trying to do my best to help him. And then I said, how do you want to pay, sir, cash or card? Because I, I can take cards. I haven't got a machine. I just take cards. <laughs> <laughs> and so he said, oh, you got one of these new fandangled things. I didn't really wish to inquire as to what he meant by new fandangled. I just thought I'll agree with him, otherwise I sensed a lengthy conversation developing. So I said, yeah, I've got one of those new fandangled things. Um, so he said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pay by card then. And I've got, basically, it's a little thing that 
that kind of connects with your smartphone. Um, it's called Square, if you've seen any of those modern fandangled things in shops. And uh, he was getting quite excited by the fact that he could pay by card um, with basically a... And, he, and then he could not get his head round that he could pay by phone as well. This was like too much for him. So he was, he was a little bit doddering, a little bit shaky, and he, he pulled his card out and um, he went, he went to, to tap the little tile. And as he did that, he kind of dropped his card on the floor. And there was this moment when I thought, what do I do? Do I, do I go down and get the card for him? Or am I now insulting him by getting the card? Can, do you know what I mean? And, and what, what he did is he started very slowly to bend down and get the card. And I was watching him, um, thinking, is, is, is he going to make it down? <laughs> Once he's down, is he going to make it back up again? And what kind of accentuated my fear is he'd been down there a couple of hours or something like that. <laughs> he'd been down there a couple of seconds. But you know when seconds feel like a long time? Normally when Leon's preaching. You know what I mean? When... It's a funny way of saying you don't want to come back and preach at a church, that, isn't it? No, I, I don't mean that's just a cheap gag. Um, so, but it was, it, and then I was a bit worried, so, so I said to him, this is, not, this is exactly what happened. I'm not making this up, this is exactly what happened. I looked at him and said, are you all right, sir? Do you want help back up? I said, are you in pain or has something seized? Because I didn't know what to say. And he just said to me, no, not at all, lad. He said, it takes me such a long time to get down these days and even longer to get back up. I'm just pausing to see if there's anything else I need to do whilst I'm down here. <laughs> Which I just thought was brilliant. Brilliant. Just pausing. It's such an effort to get down and such an effort to get back up. I'm just pausing, I'm just stopping, I'm just thinking, with all this effort, is there something I can do to maximise this moment in my life? I think sometimes we need to maximise some moments and ask ourselves, is there anything else we need to do in this moment in time? See, it's been a lot of effort getting to where we've got. Listen, I was as happy as anybody at the thought of two weeks off for COVID. At the beginning, do you remember at the beginning? Two weeks of evening barbecues, the weather was grand. When it got to about 18 months, I finally realised we're not coming out anytime soon. It took a lot of effort. And then we were just coming out of that. And then, do you remember Brexit? Who remembers that? That's such a distant, if not slightly fond memory now. <laughs> not only that, but now, now we've got the war and who knows. It takes a lot of effort to get through life, if we're really, really honest. And you are at this moment in your life, and I don't know what effort you've been putting in, or how much pain or how much agony it's taken you, even to get to this stage. But I want to invite you this morning to pause and to take a moment to reflect and to consider. How on earth do we live life in a changing world? Let's just pause and reflect on that. Well, I think for me, 
with the world changing around me so much, when things are a little bit shaky, when the ground on which we live is a bit soggy, (laughs) it's not quite as solid, when I'm in those moments where I feel a bit vulnerable, where I feel a bit weak, where I feel a bit worried, I tend to cling on to something that is worth clinging on to. Don't you? That's what I tend to do. I want to announce to you this morning the greatest piece of news ever to flood our world. And that is that God is well able to sustain us. That God is dependable. In fact, he says of himself, I, the Lord, do not change. And when all around is changing, it's so good to know that there's somebody and something that we can hold on that is not going to breed insecurity, that is not going to make us worry or wonder what's happening next. Not only does God change, but actually how God views things doesn't change as well. Excuse me. Firstly, God wants us to understand this morning that the problem with the world has never, ever changed. Lots has changed around how we view things, even how we might view the problems of the world. That might change for us, but God says those things have never changed. I read just this week, that, and those of you who know that Yorkshire people are not known for their generosity, in fact, my, my minister, a gentleman called Bob MacDonald, who was from Scotland, he used to say of us Yorkshire people that a Yorkshire person is a Scots person with the generosity kicked out. <laughs> I didn't know whether to feel encouraged or not. But I read this just this week. Shortly after takeoff on a Jet 2 flight from Leeds Bradford to Benidorm, the air stewardess nervously announced that the catering company had made a huge mistake and had only provided 80 dinners, even though there were 200 passengers on board. She apologized, but said anyone, remember this was in Yorkshire, anyone that was kind enough to give up their meal to someone that was hungry would receive free drinks for the remainder of the flight. The next announcement came an hour and a half later when the stewardess said, if anyone is still hungry, we've got 80 dinners left. Gotta love Yorkshire people, haven't you? <laughs> Gotta love Yorkshire people. It's funny, isn't it, how sometimes we, we, we recognise as a problem and we, we try to create solutions to our problems, but actually what we end up doing is creating more problems. Don't you find we're brilliantly gifted at that as human beings? That yes, sometimes we can solve problems, but actually we can create so many problems. Did you know the best-selling types of books are cookbooks? The Bible's the best-selling book, but the best-selling types, genre of book, are cookbooks. Do you know what the next best-selling types of books are? Dieting books. (laughs) Where you learn to lose the weight from the, the recipes you've learned to cook from the other books you purchased. We're so good at creating problems for ourselves. And I think society is brilliant at doing that. I actually think our world has created the biggest problem for itself when actually there's a very, very simple solution. 
You see, God's view of what is right and wrong has never changed. Society's view of what is right and wrong may change, but how on earth do you build your life when society's fluxing so much? How on earth do you put any solid foot down on anything dependable when tomorrow it may not dependable be dependable. I'm not going to lie. I want to build my life on something that is sustainable, is substantial, is dependable, is not going to move and prove to be flimsy when there's a world order change or some philosophical tweak. I want to be able to set my feet on something that is solid. God is the someone that is solid. Our view of right or wrong may have changed, but God hasn't. Still at the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. A friend of mine says the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. I want to say still at the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. You see, we want to do things our way. We're not even bothered about the consequences so often these days. We're not even bothered about whether it's right or wrong. We want to do it our way. But you know what? The problem with the world has never changed. Still, as a world, we think we know what's best. And (laughs) which is bizarre when you think about it because we've only been around a short amount of time, relatively speaking. I believe God knows what's best. And a Christian, a Jesus follower is somebody who discovers that God knows what is best. And with God's help, yes, they fail and mess up. But with God's help, they seek to live life in a way that honours and pleases God and a way that is right before God. Um, I'm originally from Bradford, and as I mentioned, and... um, in Bradford, there's the A650, which is one of the dual carriages, carriageways coming out of uh, Bradford City Centre to join the Ring Road. And there's a number of them. And there was this church that was well known for its signs outside church. And they had this big sort of sign notice board. And cutting edge technology, day glow paper with black text on it. Do you remember those? When we thought we were cutting edge. And they had all sorts of um, little sort of, um, almost like in, in phrases that probably only people that are Christians would, would really get. But they were meant to be for people that didn't really go to church. And it, opposite where the church was, there was a roundabout. Uh, there was a walled roundabout. And it was always damaged. And I was convinced it was because of drivers driving up, grabbed by the garish, luminous green, looking at the text and thinking, what the flipping heck does that mean? So they would have things like, carpenter from Nazareth requires joiners. (laughs) Remember that one? And then they had another one, uh, which which kind of arrested me a little bit more. It's it's actually a, a sentence taken out of the Bible and slightly... Adapted, So I, I want to quote it and then I need to tell you the sentence that it's based on and then I just need to explain it because there's a few words in there that for those of you watching this morning, uh, whether you're here in the room or online, maybe just you may not understand. But this is what it said. Even in recession, the wages of sin is still death. Even in recession. There's a lovely encouraging message for you, isn't it? Yay. 
feel great. But actually it's taken right out of the Bible where the Bible actually says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Let me just explore that with you for a few moments this morning. You will get, for those of you who work, you will get a wage, a salary, probably at the end of the month, depending on how your employer chooses to kind of pay you. And you get paid that salary, that wage, You get that wage because your employer thinks that's what you're worth. Now you might think you deserve more wage because you think you're worth more than your employer thinks you're worth. But I'll let you debate that one with him slash her. But essentially a wage is what you get for what you've done. Yeah, that you deserve. So here in this sentence, what God's saying In the Bible is saying, look, what you get as human beings for what you've done, what you deserve is death, just to cheer you up this morning. What we deserve is death physically. And if we don't know the Lord, there is a death spiritually and we need to come alive. I'll explain more about that in just a few moments time. There's a death physically, there's a death spiritually. I would argue there's a death emotionally as well. I think that the whole of our beings are affected by this thing that the Bible talks about. This word sins, it's a strange word. It's actually, it's an old word that means falling short. And what this sentence from the Bible is said, what we get for what we've done, i.e. the wrong things that we've done that have made us fall short of God's standard or even simply just the fact that we've chosen to live life without God. We fall short and what we get for that is death. Now that would be pretty depressing if that's all the sentence talked about. So a wage is something that you get for what you've done. A gift is something that you get because somebody loves you. It's nothing to do with how good you are or how bad you are. So this is the fantastic thing, the dynamic thing, the beautiful thing about this sentence from the Bible. Let's not focus necessarily on actually we've all done things wrong and left God out and what we deserve is death. Let's focus on this amazing gift that God gives to every one of us that we don't deserve it. And what we get from God that we don't deserve is eternal life. Now I find that mildly encouraging. If I'm honest. So the problem with the world has never changed. We seem to get ourselves in the same old problems. And if we don't know God this morning, you are getting yourself in the same old problem that this same old world has got itself in. But there is somebody that's dependable and reliable who wants you this morning to have that full life. So the problem with the world has never changed. I want to say to you this morning that the solution for the problem as the world has never changed. Um, I've, I've got in my, uh, in my bag, I've got a little pen uh, that I keep uh, with me. It's a great pen, very expensive pen. Um, you look at it and think, well, I won't pay that money for it. Um, but I've had this pen for a few years. It's actually called a space pen. Has anybody ever heard of a space pen? A few of you have heard of a space pen. Uh, would suggest you may be more gadget-oriented in your life if you've heard of a space pen. I first came across the space pen, for those of you who are asking. 
In, do you remember this shop, the gadget shop? Yeah, well, that shop just draws me in. Like when I go out, my wife, she gets drawn into museums. I get drawn into gadget shops. There's a difference in our general intellect. <laughs> I think I'm far superior, she would debate that. But I came upon this space pen, and like, this space pen is amazing. Um, and then I did a bit of digging around to find out about the space pen. The space pen was not ever designed for kind of commercial sales. The space pen was designed for something very, very different. Here it is. The Canadian Space Agency wanted to invent a pen that would write in zero gravity. Makes sense. There's no gravity in space. You can Google it. They spent several million dollars and used many engineers. And when they finally made it, congratulations flowed in from all over the world. The Americans, however, told them that we too have come up with a solution. We use a pencil. You can feel the disappointment, can't you? That's why they had to sell it, to get some money back. So people like me, gullible ones, <laughs> who is never going to go into space or underwater because I hate swimming. I'm never going to test it. But I didn't mind parting with my 40 quid because it was a space pen. It's a space print. And I love that when I read that. I mean, they must have been absolutely devastated, mustn't they, the Canadian space energy. Like, we've got this problem. We're going to pile a load of hours and a load of money and a load of effort into finding a solution for this problem when actually the solution was very, very simple. In our world, human beings, we pile a whole lot of effort, a whole lot of money so often, into trying to make this crazy world and life make sense. And we never really quite get there. You see, life and the world only make sense when Jesus is involved. And there's no effort and no money that we can put into trying to make that happen. The problem with the world is that we've left God out. The solution to the problem of the world is to get God back in our lives, back in our world. Jesus was God turning up into our world. We couldn't get to him, so he came to us. There was nothing we could do to get to him, but he could do everything to come to us. Jesus has never stopped bringing enrichment to people's lives. I came across this a few years ago. It's not something I've written or that is something new. But when I read it, it just really grabbed me. Socrates taught for 40 years. Plato for 50. Aristotle for 40 years. And Jesus for only three and a half years. Yet the influence of Christ's ministry and work infinitely transcends the impact left by the combined years of teaching 
from these great philosophers. Jesus painted no pictures, yet some of the finest artists, such as Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, received their inspiration from him. Jesus wrote no poetry, but Dante, Milton, and scores of the world's greatest poets were inspired by him. Jesus composed no music, still Hayden, Handel, Beethoven, Bach, Mendelssohn reached their highest perfection of melody in the music they composed in his praise. Every sphere of human greatness has been enriched by this humble carpenter from Nazareth. I wonder whether he's enriched, enriched your space this morning. I wonder whether he's enriched your life this morning. In a few moments towards the end of my talk, I'm going to give you an opportunity to allow that Jesus to come into your life and enrich it beyond anything you could have ever imagined. See, Jesus has never stopped being God's solution for enriching our lives. And Jesus has never stopped being God's solution for the wrong things in our life. Somebody once said, if our greatest needed had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a saviour. That word saviour is really, really interesting. You see, when I think about God rescuing, which is what a saviour does, he rescues. But the word saviour and salvage are very, very similar. Have you seen all these um, programmes? I love them where there's a particular lady and she goes to a tip. And, and get something that somebody's just discarded. And then like, she pays somebody to, how good is the stuff that she, I was thinking, come to our house, there's loads of stuff that you could do that on. And this is what I like about it because she rescues the stuff from, but she rescues the stuff for. That's what I like about it. She's taking it from somewhere because she sees that it should never be thrown away. There's purpose in it. And when I think about Jesus being this incredible saviour, he doesn't just rescue us from something and then see you later, <laughs> I thank you. No, he rescues us for something. See, being a Christian, being a Jesus follower is not just about leaving your old life. It's about embracing a brand spanking new life. Yes, with its challenges. Yes, with its difficulties. But yes, with its unbelievable adventure when you know Jesus. He calls you out of a life without him and calls you into a life with him. And then he chooses to let the whole world know about his greatness through people like you and me. I find that truly, truly staggering. How can you say it's not for you? Bible tells me that Christ died for the wrong things of the world once for all. And he actually says the righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus is the righteous one who's never done anything wrong. 
The unrighteous are people like you and me who are always doing things wrong. In fact, even our good stuff, the Bible says, is just like filthy rags. When Jesus died 2,000 years ago, but he's still making an impact. He's still forgiving people today. When Jesus died on the cross, it was people like you and people like me. And if you ever want to know what what Jesus is going to do, what God's going to do in your life, then we're given a bit of a window. If you look at the life of Jesus and what he did, you can find it in the Bible. If you don't know what the Bible is not familiar, just ask somebody that you know who's a Christian to point you to some books in the Bible that just tell you about the life of Jesus and see what he did. And it gives us a little window into what God's like. Because Jesus went around healing people. He still heals people. He went around forgiving people. He still forgives people. He went around bringing purpose to people. He still brings purpose to people. He went around loving those who nobody else loved. He still goes around loving those who nobody else loved. Everything you read of Jesus, then he does now. And that's why he's still the means that God enriches our lives and forgives us. And we get to know him. My talk this morning in the main is for people who are maybe just thinking about the Christian faith. Maybe you've not yet decided. And at the end, which is in a few moments time, I'm going to give you an opportunity to decide to put your life in his hands. But one thing I was acutely aware of as I was thinking through this talk is that actually there would be people here present this morning and you're already a Jesus follower, you're already a Christian, but you're just wobbling a bit. You're wobbling a bit. (laughs) Maybe through circumstances of the globe or even circumstances of your life, but you're just wobbling a bit and you're just wondering. You're just like, oh man, is is it worth it all? And God wants to remind you this morning that he is still the one who in Jesus brings enrichment to your lives and brings forgiveness to your life and I would encourage you if that's where you're at this morning then at the end you might consider giving your life back to God again you say Mark I've done it several times crack on you're going to do it several times more through the whole of your life that's my experience final thing I want to say this morning is the problem with the world has never changed the solution to the problem with the world has never changed the third thing I want to say is the response to the solution of the world hasn't changed. As a preacher, uh, preaching in a small church, all about what Christianity was about, as a well-known communist entered the room and started shouting out, what good is Christianity? Communism can put a new set of clothes on that man. The preacher replied, communism may may well be able to put new clothes on a person, but only Christianity can put a new person in those clothes I love that I love that this great little sentence in the Bible says this if anyone is in Christ they're a new creation the old has gone and the new has come the key thing for you this morning is how you respond to the solution of the problem of the world and the problem with your life how are you going to respond God right now is literally, literally, whether you can feel him, hear him or not, he's saying to you, he's inviting you, he's appealing to you this morning and saying, put your life in my hands. 
Let me walk with you through your life. That's what he's saying to you. And all God wants for you to take that next significant step is to respond by saying, yeah, God, I I know that I've left you out of my life. And that's created a problem that I'm separated from you. That's created a problem that I'm separated from you. And that today I realize that Jesus is the solution. I love the fact that not only did Jesus die, but that he came back alive. And that means you can have new life. Becoming a Jesus follower, taking that next significant step is just embracing that. And so in a few moments time, I'm going to invite you to say yes to God. And whether it's for the first time or that group of people that I said giving your life back to God because you've wobbled a bit. I'm going to invite you either to say a yes to God or a yes again to God. So what we're going to do in a few moments time, we're going to just close our eyes. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite you. If you said a yes to God or a yes again to God this morning, I'm going to simply invite you to raise your hands in the air. Very, very simply. What will happen is somebody from the team at the church here will come and put something into your hands that will just encourage you and help you to keep going. So just simply raise your hands. I'll keep my eyes open just so I know, but everybody else will close theirs apart from the people handing out uh, the things that we're going to give to you this morning to help you out. And so let's just pray, shall we? Let's close our eyes. And so just as a reminder, if you're here this morning and want to say yes to God for the first time or to give your life back to God, I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to invite you to raise your hands. So dear God, for anybody in this room who at this moment in time knows they need to put their life into your hands, I pray that you would nudge them, Lord, to do that that you'd help them to let us know so that we can help them and journey with them Lord and for people who may be putting their life back in your hands because they've wobbled a bit I pray you'd encourage them and nudge them and help them to know that you're with them you're walking with them so if you're here this morning whether it's for the first time or to give your life back to God to say yes again just where you are could you simply raise up your hand and we'll make sure we get some stuff to you raise it up nice and high if you can just so that our helpers can see that's great there's some few people just around the place that's lovely just going to take a few moments to do this just make sure you keep your hand up if you haven't received And then before we sing this song, I'd like to invite another couple of groups of people. Might be that you're here today and you're saying, Mark, I'm not really ready to to say yes to God for the first time. I wonder if you might be prepared to say, I'm going to go on a journey. I'm going to investigate. Becoming a Christian is what I call a big yes. Choosing to investigate and to explore and to find out more is what I call a little yes. And you know what? I meet lots of people who make 
a little yes decision and that's great so if you've never looked into it before I wonder whether this morning that might be your decision well if that's you why don't you just in your own heart say yeah I'm going to become a little yes I'm going to investigate I'm going to explore to see whether Jesus really does bring enrichment and really does rescue and really does make a difference but it might be that you're here today and you're saying, Mark, I'm not, I'm not even ready to make a massive decision to investigate. Well, I wonder whether I might just be able to gently challenge you to become or to remain open-minded about it all. You might not be ready to fully explore. Would I wonder whether you could just keep it on your agenda? Maybe stick it on the back burner. Become what I call a healthy maybe. Something that says, yeah, maybe there's something in this. And whilst I'm not fully in a place where I can explore, I don't want to let, let it go completely. And whether you just internally might say, yeah, I'll, I'm going to become a healthy maybe. And you know what? That's a really valid response also. And if you would like us to help you with that, then just go to the connection point on the way out of church this morning and say to the people on their love, look, I'd love to explore. I'd love to investigate. Or just how can I how can I stay open-minded about this stuff? Because God really, really is worth exploring and investigating. We're going to sing a song just to further help us to respond uh, a little bit more. And I trust that this morning, whether you're new to faith or you're an old hand, that it's been helpful with you and meaningful. God bless. Thank you.